Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Good to have you on the show, Pierre. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you, Hadi, for having me. Let me just start with a quick introduction for our listener, Pierre. Richelson is the founder of Cal.com, an open source scheduling platform. You've recently rebranded it from Calenzo, Cal.com, back in September of, I think, 2021, where you, when you were doing your full product launch, and uh, you've raised to date more than 32,000, uh, 32 million to solve one of the most uh, interesting global problems, which is getting people to meet when they're in different time zones endless emails, phone calls to find that suitable time. So Pierre, you're an open source solution. Explain what that means to an eight-year-old. Of course, to an eight-year-old. That's an awesome beginning question of a podcast. I would say if you go to a store and you buy a piece of food, like a box of cereals, you want to know what's inside. Like, do I have any allergies? Is this good food for me? You know, is this like... Uh, is there, are there any food restrictions I have? And so I think if I would tell it to an eight-year-old, it's kind of scary to buy food that you like, you're not aware of what's inside. And that also applies to the type of software you, you're using. Like you only know if you can really look inside what's going on, if it's safe to consume, if it's safe to use. Not a lot of people care about the ingredients of food, <laughs> but the people who do care... They really care. And so that's what I would describe open source with. And yeah, we basically publish not only code, we see us more as an open startup, also metrics and salaries and all kinds of very interesting things um, on our website, color.com slash open. So I would say that's the best approach I could do for explaining it to an eight-year-old. They should know what software is, I think, nowadays. Gen Alpha. I, I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I have a newborn. She's nine months. She knows what an iPhone is now. Oh, wow. She's cool. She does all of that. So oh, yeah. Appears, appears <laughs> born with it in this century. <laughs> hey, I, ba uh, I barely knew what software was when I was eight, but I think that was, and that's okay. Perfect. Take us back to your founding aha moment. What made you create Cal.com, especially that there are big players out there that everyone knows about. And the first thing you think about, okay, there's a, here's another calendar management system or software. Right. So I've been in tech for like the last 10, 11 years. And um, obviously we've all struggled to meet people in person or online. And it's always this back and forth. I didn't come up with this concept. I would lie if I said so. My origin story is that I was running a bunch of companies before. I was running a YC company before, which was a marketplace to buy and sell like collectibles such as magic cards. And that didn't go as planned. <laughs> we had to shut down that business. And then I had no job. Instead of like going on a job hunt, I started with a Slack channel with other entrepreneurs who stopped their business during COVID. And so that Slack channel quickly grew into its own marketplace. And then the challenge was, okay, how can I most efficiently and effectively connect those founders with other companies? And our initial product was that we would just ask for their Calendly link. Calendly is one of those businesses that I think we're all aware of. There's some other scheduling products, but I'd say they are like the biggest one. 
And I asked for their Calendly links. And as you may imagine, some people may have set up their links incorrectly or removed it or didn't want to upgrade to a pro account. And it was just like not a good user experience from a marketplace point of view where me as a marketplace provider, I had no insights if someone was booked or not. There was no API I could like ping. I couldn't create accounts on behalf of others, right? Like everyone had to go through an external signup flow. And I was like, hmm. I'm building this marketplace, but I don't really want to build all the scheduling, right? Like it's not my core competency. My core competency should be connecting people and find jobs for them. And so I was like, okay, why don't I go on Google and search for an open source Calendly alternative? Because that's what I was looking for. It was something that I could self-host, that I could like change code and, you know, make it work like it's completely embedded in my product. And to my surprise, it was just like no results for that query. We have open source Firebase alternatives or intercom alternatives and plenty of alternatives to pretty much every major product for good reason, for reasons I've mentioned, but there was none for Calendly. And there was just a few Reddit and Hacker News threads asking if someone knew about a solution. And that got my entrepreneurial like senses tingling where I was like, hmm, interesting. Like, And then I was thinking like, there's so many businesses that need scheduling, telehealth, recruiting, hiring, you know, all these founder meeting VCs and people meeting yoga teachers and gym trainers and all kinds of the whole service industry, essentially. Right. And I was like thinking, Hmm, I don't want to build this inside of my previous company, which was called lean hire, lean hire.com because it's not my core competency. And so I said, okay, let's just make an open source project on the side. That was in like October, 2020, I think. And then fast forward, the marketplace was acquired by another company. So I joined that company as head of product, but like had this open source side project for a couple months, seven months, eight months of like inactive because I had no time. I was employed at another company, but people kept signing up. At some point we were number one for Calendly open source as like the Google keyword. And people just kept signing up and signing up and asking me like, Hey, when is this going to launch? <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what to do. And I tried to find someone to take over the project initially on Twitter. And then later on, like last desperate moves, I emailed the entire wait list and said like, Hey, I'm willing to give up this project to anyone who wants to take over, like just hit me up. And then I met my now co-founder. So I'm not the only founder of Cal and the co-founder and co-CEO. And yeah, I met Bailey, who's my co-CEO and we started hacking together and I joined in full time and 50, 50. And since then that's kind of like the origin story, you know, like really because I needed it for myself and all the stories we hear from others are very similar that they run a hiring marketplace, a telehealth company, or we have a company that does like house inspections, right? Like you want to connect with an inspector or you want to do house visits uh, in real estate markets. Like there's so many different use cases where two humans need to meet, <laughs> right? Yeah, the, the use cases are sheer infinite. So take us back to the time where you started to build that wait list. How did you do that? How did you grow it? And then when did you decide when is the right time to open it up for maybe the beta launch or even the final version of your product? Yeah. I mean, we talk about the first 100 and to my surprise, the first 100 signups on the waitlist were very fast, like as far as I can remember. So I did on deck, which is an amazing community for entrepreneurs. I highly recommend checking that out. It's beyonddeck.com. 
And so I did YC about two years before on deck and I was like, Hey, let's check out this community. This looks kind of fun. And so I posted on deck has this feature where you can post feature ideas, right? And the community can like comment and vote on it. When I was running this hiring marketplace, I was like, okay, surely there's more people who need this, right? Like it's just, it's kind of obvious. I posted this feature idea and I called it like GitLab is to GitHub. Like I'm looking something for Calendly that is like GitLab to GitHub, right? Because the, you know, GitHub and GitLab metaphor and people loved it. People were like, oh shit. Yeah. I really need this for my own because people were like running all kinds of, um, scheduling heavy businesses. And so I think the first hundred people were actually before, yeah, before any line of code, like just a landing page. And it was like a pretty sure it was like a template that just had a sign up box with like a wait list, like, uh, two, three hours of work or something. I always tell founders that like the, I mean, I'm first, I'm not an expert, but this like happened to catch lightning in a bottle, you know, but I think the importance of pivots is that there are these stories out there. You just need to find like the right messaging and the right value proposition, right? Like the whole landing page was just explaining what I want to build. It was not like, Hey, this is ready, go figure. But like, kind of like building a, I'd say not a weight, not like a white paper, but just like a, Hey, this is what I think should exist. And like, please join, help me build this. Right. And, and anyone can do that. You don't need technical expertise to write that website. And so I think when you are in a situation where you're like, not sure what to build, I would just say, okay, try to build as many of these types of landing pages with different hypotheses, different value propositions, and just see which one sticks. You know, a domain costs like 12 bucks a year. Hosting is essentially free nowadays. I just try to crank out as many uh, landing pages with different value propositions for different problems, you know, to get my first hundred signups. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing it, Pierre. So fast forward, you've launched, you have a lot of users probably who have used the free version. What was your strategy to convert them to the paying tiers? So open source is very interesting because obviously the vast majority of our users are free users, either on the free plan that we have on cal.com or just self-hosting for free. We have a couple of enterprise components, such as um, single sign-on workflows, routing form, some of the team features that require a pro account. And so our line of thinking is anything you really want to do alone should be free. But if you're like in a team or let's say like in a commercial setting, you have employees and others, then you should get like a commercial license slash pro plan. I think that's very fair. I think that's how I like positioning the company in a sense where like, Hey, if you're like a hobby engineer, like we don't want to charge you, but like, if you have a commercial business, you have hundreds of thousands potentially of customers. In my opinion, you should pay for a service that brings in revenue. And we are a revenue making product because the more people you meet, the more money you make. And typically. So your product is very interesting because I've seen your competitors, right? It's a sticky product. Once you use it, technically you won't switch a lot because you have it maybe in your signature within the enterprise. What has been the most challenging part of getting customers? Cause you're not the first to the market. There's I think three or four that I can remember that are big, they're very well funded. So what has been yeah. the most challenging for you to switch people around? I think in the first year, so we're approaching the second year now. And the first year was definitely like the product was very early. I'm not going to lie. It was very buggy because every product that's new is buggy. You know, it's like nothing's born perfect. 
It's just a hell of a grind and a lot of iterations to get something very polished. So yeah, initially, definitely people were like, hey, this is dope. I really love this, but this weird calendar is not connecting. Or hey, I, I have this crazy fringe Google calendar set up with like four sub calendars and all like some of them are synced with another. And like the end result is that they wouldn't be able to get booked or something, right? Like these weird things where you're like, okay, interesting. How do I do that? And then like time zones and daylight savings times and stuff like those things just require a lot of time and patience to get right. So I would say those are typically the main reasons why people are kind of skeptical initially. And, you know, once you have a bad experience, you're not going to run around and tell others that like it's a great product, but that didn't keep us from growing. I think because people really liked, again, like the open sourceness and the all ethics around how we run the business and how open it is and how accessible it is, is something that keeps people interested. At the end of the day, the typical consumer doesn't care about open source. They just want a good product. For the last one and a half years, we spent every waking hour just building good product. We didn't invest anything in marketing or retention or something like retention comes by having a good product and virality comes by ha having a good product. That's just how it is. If you don't have a good product, people don't tell others and don't stay on your platform. And so, yeah, our retention has increased from like 13% churn to like 6% churn. And obviously the virality of the product is high because the whole point of the product is to share it with others to connect. Those are kind of like the most important things we focus on. Thank you for sharing this. If you go to your website, cal.com, you have every metric that a private company should not share out there, <laughs> salaries, runway, customer numbers. What made you decide to do this? Because it's a double-edged sword, right? Because at one point, you don't want your competitors to know what you're doing. But at the other point, there's a lot of in interested people who would want to know how you're building in public. And if you're successful in the future, they have your playbook, which probably they can do it in any other industry. So walk me through what went between you and your founder to decide on this. See, I think it's kind of interesting. The same type of companies who are very shy about publishing those metrics are also shy about publishing their source code. And so once you've drink in the open source Kool-Aid, you realize, okay, source code is actually not what makes my business valuable. It is the network effects, the branding, you know, the SaaS plans, the support and the community. And that's something you can't just copy. You can basically fork the product, but that doesn't make you a superior product because as I said before, like the brand and you're, you're building and the ecosystem, that's still yours, whether you're public or private. When it comes to metrics, I think the risk is when your metrics don't look good, <laughs> like when churn is at 60% and, or 80% and revenues flat or declining. But even then, I feel like that would really make me interested in that business because like even in tough times, and we had times obviously when there was like metrics were not growing. Some certain metrics were flat for a month and two months, and then they started growing again. But you, you need to stomach that if you really want to build like a brand of openness and transparency for me, it's not even a brand. Like we're not like doing this to look shiny. It's just how I like to operate a business or how I always wished to operate a business. And I talked to Bailey, my co-founder, and he also said like, he loves the idea of being open, open startup 
is a term that's been around forever. I didn't invent this. We're not the first one. There's a couple of great companies. Buffer has transparent salaries as well. Yeah, we really thought, okay, there's not many open source. First of all, there's not many open source companies compared to you know SaaS. It's still a, a very small niche. But I don't think there's been many that were like that transparent and that public. And it kind of makes no sense to me because if you're already publishing your source code, you should take it further and just be an open company, open startup. And to be honest, the open page is our second most visited page after pricing. People love it. I mean, I love it too. It's probably one of my first most visited pages. <laughs> I don't log into my analytics product anymore. I just go on calacom slash open and see how many new signups we had last week or something. It helps align the community. It helps align the investors that we have. Our investor reports are incredibly short because whatever they want, they can just go online and see. Obviously, we have some internal metrics that we share as well. And it's an amazing hiring funnel. I love it. People love it. They want to work at a company like that. We had a lot of pushback for the open salaries that it would like alienate people. But we've seen the opposite. Like The most amazing talent is applying to be working under such transparent leadership. And it just prevents a lot of issues. Did you do anything that you consider non-scalable at early on to acquire the first few paying customers? You know, we've really never done any outbound, which is surprising. Like we have not sent like a single cold mail, didn't do a single cold call or something. But we can barely <laughs> fit all the inbound, which is good problems to have, but like we can barely serve all the inbound. I think in the early days, it was interesting that we were trending in a bunch of open source forums. Like there was this one French forum and they went crazy about Calenzo before the rebranding and we had no French translations. And then like a week after we had French translations and then it like even more blew up. Right. So I think that's kind of like some quick thinking where if you kind of like keep track of like where you're trending in which sub forums and stuff. Nowadays, we have over 30 languages because we see like language is a huge driver of adoption competitors who have like seven languages. And so I think that's something I'm not saying language is a great growth hack, but like, yeah, be fast with like seeing opportunities and trying to like, it's not intuitive to just launch French after like three weeks or four weeks of engineering. Right. But that was very useful for us to get even more people in that forum. And, and also kind of like you reply in that forum and say, Hey, like, we really love all your excitement. We just launched French. And then, you know, that thread obviously blows up because yeah, why not? People love that. Thank you for sharing this small hack that is valuable <laughs> and is applicable in many instances, as you said. So you rebranded to cal.com. How important was it for you guys to acquire a three letter domain? And I'm pretty sure you paid a hefty price for it. And what has had this impact on the growth of your business in general? I think it was one of the most important business decisions we've made, probably even do in the future, other than maybe acquiring another startup at some point. But like, it was definitely the best corp dev decision so far. Who knows if this company ever goes public or becomes giant, it's probably go down in history. It's like the best business decision. It really kickstarted our growth. I think if you're in a link sharing business and there's a couple of examples, loom.com is a great link sharing business where you send a loom video or like scheduling links are great. Maybe even some hosting services where you send a, like a DocuSign or something, right? Like if those domains look ugly or sketchy or weird, like DocuSign.com has a lot of trust, but if it was like my secure document signing.biz, eh, it's kind of weird, right? And so 
initially the name was Calenzo and it was obviously just an open source project that had no intentions to go big. And some people started to like mispronounce it or miswrite it. They didn't see like when you say it Calenzo, it could also be without a D, right? You don't hear the D. And we were like, hmm, fuck, this won't scale. Like the brand is not going to be around forever. And we did some brand research. We had some conversations. Also, we were looking at acquiring meet.com, like to meet someone, meet slash peer, which is cool. But then we kind of like lost that deal to another startup. As you may know, like domain, especially those domains are probably the most premium domains you can acquire by far. And it's kind of like this weird, like finding the needle in the haystack because A, Cal is three letters, pretty much unacquirable. Like there's rarely any pronounceable three letter.com domain out there. It's all like X one Y maybe that you can acquire as like three letters. And second, there's only like a thousand English words with less than four letters, like three letters, like, Hey, maybe Hey.com was amazing, right? Like that's a great domain. And then for us as a calendar, Cal, you know, that's like a miracle. And so we were really excited to finish that acquisition. We were quite fortunate that we were able to raise funding, obviously before the transaction. And we had a really, really good round of investors who appreciate the vision. And we outlined also the vision of the rebranding. It was part of the fundraise as well that we said, hey, we are in touch with some of those domain owners and they are willing to transact. It's kind of like a great way of solving the chicken egg where you don't have the money yet. And so you need to fundraise, but also it's really exciting for investors to say, oh, wow, if, if I can invest in this business, they may rebrand to that domain, which, you know, kickstarts the growth. And, and it turns out to have worked. And since then, if you look at the cal.com slash open page, I think we rebranded in September and we went from like 200 users to like 2000 users and then like just went exponential essentially. I don't think we would be here today without the domain because sharing a cal.com slash peer link is so much more, well, shorter, nicer, faster than calenzo.com or even frankly saying any other competitor. Like I have not met a competitor that has a better domain than us. Hands down. Yeah. Thank you for sharing the story. So I'm assuming you're first time CEO. I'm also assuming you're very young. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's actually my fourth okay. startup. I'm 28. Startup. So yeah. Okay. Uh, because time, I've yeah. read that your co-founder is 18 and yes. uh, he's 19 now. No, actually 20. I think he's 20 now. Yeah. But he was very young when we started. Yeah. yeah. And you've raised a handful of money and on your website, your runway is 18 years, which is sometimes unheard of for, for a startup. So what do you do in times where you don't have answers to certain things happening in your company? Is there any framework, strategies, things that peer goes to, to figure out solutions? So the 18 years has a great backstory because we do enterprise sales, right? Like we have a lot of fortune 500 companies in the pipeline, you know, in the sales cycle, we try to sell to governments as well because of the open source nature and they just want longevity. They don't care about your product. If you build the most beautiful product, but you're like a startup with 12 months of runway, they're not going to engage with you because they're just too afraid that you're going to die like flies, right? So as unintuitive as it sounds, having 18 years is obviously, we double our burn and it's nine years, right? Like that's just math. That's a quick assumption that everyone should make. So it's not going to be 18 years. Like we're not going to be around in, well, potentially, you know, who knows, but like, it just means with the current team, we have 18 years of runway and the current team is 22 people, which is 
well enough to run a business for sure. And so we've had sales calls where we wanted to sign like a 10 year agreement. It's not uncommon to provide service for companies for 10 years. And it's great to show that you have the funding, the runway, the team to provide that longevity. That's a great sales argument. And second, we also raised funding, obviously, in 2021 when the market was at its peak, I'd say. And we just wanted to make sure that we like play our cards well, but also we were very open and honest to our investors saying, hey, we already have like, even with the seed round, we had like five years of runway, right? And we said like, hey, I mean, we unlock a lot more sales with more runway, having proof of runway, and we can probably just focus on engineering. The one thing we've done is to set ourselves like a yearly budget because otherwise you just go crazy and buy stupid things, like acquire startups and do stupid shit with too much money. And so, yeah, we've been actually running very lean. Not only are we making revenue and lower our burn rate, but I think we've only spent around a million or something in the first year, which is, I'd say, average for a seat fund a company. Most startups raise like 3 million seed, which gives them like three years of runway. We don't get lost in the funding. It's just a number in, in the bank. And it's a great insurance policy saying, yes, we have the longevity. We need to build this product. And there's always people, I like the idea of raise like it's your last round and act accordingly. And for us, it could, I mean, it's definitely not the last round to let's say go public because we all know like going public is like 80 to 100 to 200 million dollar funding target. But yeah, we can definitely grow like a, a massive business without needing to raise funding anytime soon. What is one principle that you live by that has made you successful? One principle? I'd say the whole spiel is definitely openness and transparency. I'm, I rarely keep things for myself. Maybe I overshare. I should ask my therapist <laughs> if I overshare too much. My Twitter is quite unfiltered. I have a lot of weird tweets sometimes that just people would write in their diary, I guess, and not in on Twitter. No, I think being open and helpful, like I, I love helping people. Like my DMs are open. I try to connect them with the right people if they ask me. It always comes back. I think it's it, helping people is, is always a, a positive sum game. Pierre, what's next for Cal.com? A world domination. <laughs> I mean, our plan is to connect a billion people by the year 2031. We may hit, looking at the current growth, like a million users by the end of this, this year. If we, ex I know you shouldn't do that. Like, don't map your current growth to the future. It never works out. There's a chance, there's a realistic path for us to get to a million users and from a million go to 10 million to 100 million to a billion. So we'll see. Hypothetical question. If you were sitting in a room with the founder of the biggest competitor that Cal.com has, what would you ask them? You know, I actually did. I had a call with Topi. Topi is cool. He's fun from the CEO of Calibly. I don't know what I would ask him. I mean, we had a few private conversations that are probably not for podcasts, but yeah, just see how life is like this, how his fitness routine is. What's his favorite type of dish? Just, yeah. Thank you for being part of our podcast. Where can people find you or reach out to you? I'd say I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, my LinkedIn has been dead for years. Uh, my Twitter is uh, peer underscore rich, R-I-C-H, short for Richardson, which no one can pronounce and shouldn't. So peer underscore rich is my Twitter handle.
Good luck, Peer, with uh, cal.com, and we will be following you on cal.com slash open, where yes. you have all the information there. Awesome. Have a great day. Thank you, Hadi. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers. 